back here on the First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. I am Chip Patterson. That's Kyle Porter. Uh, we have returned home to our studios after an on-the-road, uh, just just a real battle of a podcast. I, again, I appreciate you and uh, the fine people at Alpine for providing the Wi-Fi that allowed us to still deliver the audio to all these subscribers. Uh, Kyle, how are we feeling? It was Aspen. Aspen, not Alpine. Not Alpine. <laughs> <laughs> I am feeling good that I'm in, back in my shed and not sitting in. The, I, I, I didn't say this on the last podcast, but I was just sweating by the end of it because I didn't want to turn the AC on in my car and make uh, a poor sound quality any worse than it already was. Um, so, yeah, it's good to be back in the climate condition comfort of my of my shed. And you are going to be in Missouri at Belle Reve in the St. Louis area for the PGA Championship coming up this weekend. Um, the like as you're preparing to go, uh, you were at Quail Hollow last year for two. Like, what's yep. your what's your mental prep? Like, I, th- I I would imagine that for Augusta, you've got the routine down a little bit. You've done a couple U.S. Opens. How how do you as um, a golf golf writer, capital J journalist, going to to get the <laughs> go, going to really sharpen the takes in the air conditioned media center uh, at Bell Reef. Like, what's your mental checklist going into this PGA in particular? Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I think that I mean at the, at the top of the list at non Augusta events is always checking out the course. So U.S. Open, PGA obviously moves around every year. So you kind of want to see just, I don't know, where the course gets interesting and where you feel like guys could go on runs, what the ending is like. That's always uh, intriguing, especially last year at Quail Hollow because it's such a tough ending. So that's kind of the first thing. And then it's it's hard because, as you know, like the first two days, everything's just a mess. And so you don't know... You don't know where the storylines are going to be. You don't know. You kind of think you have an idea, and so you follow certain groups. And the good people at the PGA of America have made it a little easier on us because they put like the top ten players in the world somehow into like the same group. All of them, I think, are playing in the same group on Thursday and Friday. Um, so I'll, I'll be following, you know, those guys around. But I mean, the primary thing for me, as you know, traveling to these events is like getting in getting settled and like getting a feel just for your surroundings. Cause you feel so like out of your world at a place you've never been, uh, getting, get, you know, getting some exercise in, getting, getting some couple workouts in hitting, hitting up the gym with Joey D maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but that to me, that is so key to being able to cover this well and, and hopefully write some good stuff over the weekend. And you mentioned the, uh, the super groups and, and we're going to get into all, as I say, every single major, the best major pre major championship preview content that you are ever going to find is written by Kyle at CBS sports. He texts from, uh, the storylines, the rootability, the players he thinks he can win along with the expert picks, which uh, we'll touch on a little bit here at the end of the show. And um, we will both, I'm, I'm sure, be asked to write at some point for cbsports.com. The the super groups, and I am anti-super groups. I think that especially the yeah. the Rory Tiger JT, my, I think my hate, bo- it. my bo- hate it, hate it. My yeah. bold prediction is that uh, n- at the end of Friday, none of the three will look like they're in a position to win it. But whoever is uh, at the top of that three will absolutely go low on either Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, I think that's a really good take. 
I, I, I would even go far as to say, as far as to say that I, I think that one of those guys, at least one of those guys won't make the cut. Wow. Uh, that sounds crazy because they've all been playing really well, but I just, when's the, I mean, have we seen a super group all year play great? Like all, like all the guys just really like feel like I, it feels like every time we get, you know, three superstars in the same group, it turns out like two of them will miss the cut and the other will barely make it. It's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm out. The open did it so well, spreading guys out. And, and not only that, but you get, um, you, you get superstars playing throughout the day. Now, granted, I don't know if I wanted that at the open because it was started at like one thirty AM, right. but you got it. You got it. The whole 14 hours, you got somebody that you were, that was compelling to watch and at the PGA with these supergroups, you have like these four-hour windows and then the other, you know, seven hours or whatever of golf is, I mean, it's fine. It's a major, but you don't have those maybe as compelling figures. So it's, I don't, I'm, I'm out on it. I'm with you. I don't like it. Yeah. I've, I think that if you had put Justin Thomas or Rory McIlroy with, um, let's say Thornborn, Olsen and Arambon Lahiri, then we would be talking about a guy who could be leading by five strokes at the end of Friday. I wonder why that is. You know, I, I was thinking about that as JT and Rory were playing together on Sunday at Bridgestone. They were just kind of, uh, there was just nothing going on. You know, and part of that was JT just basically being able to par his way to an easy win. Uh, but you wanted you know, 64, 66, you know, that just like the, and you can't have that every time. Like not every tournament is going to be the 2016 open with Stinson and Phil, but it, it just seems like we've gotten kind of, um, I don't know. Some, some of the, some of these super hyped pairings and groupings haven't lived up to what we expect from them in, uh, in 2018. Yeah. Um, where are you at with Justin Thomas right here? As, as we're starting to dig into this, this is the, you know, he's the defending champion. He's also coming off uh, four great rounds at the WGC Bridgestone. The, the book on Justin Thomas kind of has me feeling like every PGA championship, he is going to be a player who can go and win it. Yeah. I mean, he's sort of the perfect golfer for 2018, right? Like the 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 era that we're in, and and the courses that these guys play. Kevin Van Valkenburg was kind of riffing on this on Twitter on uh, Sunday night after he won Firestone, and just talking about how like if you put a course that's just out in front of guys and and you make it longer and longer and longer, and it's like, oh, these guys are tearing it down. We got to make it longer. Guess who that helps? Justin Thomas. Like he just hits it forever and hits a wedge to. 15 feet and makes the putt like it's not you know there's not a lot of guys like it sounds easy but there's not a lot of guys that can do it and he's maybe the best at it and I I don't you know I I don't know that he's going to this is sort of the Rory thing right I I don't know if he's the American Rory or I I I have no idea but like we've talked about how maybe he struggles at a at a fast firm course like a like a Shinnecock or like an open championship course you you can it's easy to see JT like why he might struggle at places like those um but it's also easy to see why he's going to win like three or four times a year on the PGA tour <laughs> because you go to these courses that all look the same that are forever long and all you have to all you have to do this is a obviously an elite skill all you have to do is hit it 330 down the middle and hit a wedge and make a putt and that's what he does and 
uh, I, I think be, because of that, what you're saying about him continuing at PGA is because they all go to, I mean, these are very PGA tour like courses that they go to, including Bell Reeve. Uh, yeah, he's going to be in contention, uh, at a lot of these, I think for the next decade. What is it? The, the straight, like every, every course, every hole is going in the same direction, point and shoot kind of stuff. Yeah, the, there was a great tweet from uh, DJ Pajowski over at No Line Up. He said, uh, I like Firestone, but why are they playing the same hole over and over 18 <laughs> times in a row? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, everything's just a 480-yard par four, and you hit a driver, you hit a nine-iron or wedge, and you make a birdie, and you move on. And um, I don't know. Like, that's – it's obviously JT's – like, I, I don't – I don't mean for this to sound like I'm disparaging JT. He's he's awesome. Like he's an unbelievable player. He's won nine times. When I mean, we were talking last night, like Ricky Ricky Fowler has work to do the rest of his career to get to JT's total at at, tw- at age 25. Wow. And it, it's it's um I mean he's he's an unbelievable golfer. And so I, I this is not me like disparaging him it's just talking about like why i feel like he fits uh, a lot of these types of courses that that uh, the pga tour and, and pga championship even go to when you look at uh you know a lot of conversation and a lot of excitement around tiger woods uh playing at the bridgestone and there was a little bit of excitement early a few mistakes and then just uh, play that that seemed to dwindle as we got to the weekend. As we continue to make the you know Bell Reeve or the the Bridgestone to Bell Reeve turn, it it seems like his performance to me has like if if there was a, a little part of me that was considering for our expert picks or for my own hopes and dreams uh, that Tiger Woods was going to have a tight some type of uh, strong resurgence or showing or an, or a Carnoustie like performance at the PGA Championship I feel like what we saw this past weekend especially with the you know how often he's been playing and what we've seen some of the trend lines from his 2018 season uh, it it has me looking into the PGA and thinking that uh, it's not necessarily where we're going to see the 42 year old get his 15th major yeah I'd be shocked if he won this week honestly and if you I mean, to, to, this sort of hit me this week or this weekend or last weekend, I guess, at Firestone with him going 73-73 on the weekend. And I, I think I said this on last week's podcast. It's not about his – it's not about the back surgery. It's not about any of that. It's about him being 42. And if you go look at Phil Mickelson's last few years, he's faded hard at the at the very end. You know, at, in the last, like, month or two of the season. He just – he's just not the same golfer he is in February for the West Coast Swing, for the Masters, for different tournaments like that, for Mexico, which he obviously won, which is in uh, – I think it was in March this year. And I think we're probably going to see the same from Tiger. I know he's younger and in probably better shape, although I don't know if he can do the worm uh, than, than Phil is. Uh, but I just – I. <laughs> It's it's hard to play 16 to 18 events when you're 42 and you've only played like 10 total in the last three years. It's just really hard physically. And I think we might see a little bit of a fade from him over the last six weeks. Is there a mental fade too? Like where it's just, it wears, it's just taxing? Yeah. I Yeah. I, I, I think he's more used to that than maybe the physical. 
mentally, he's been doing it his whole life, but physically, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that plays in. You know, Phil has talked about that. I think about it with the mistakes where it's like you're, you're playing a golf tournament or a golf course where one mistake can cost you two strokes. And, and, and then that's where I I see it. Cause I mean, again, this is, uh, the game of football, there's a big time disconnect between the fans and the people who play it because such a low percentage of its fans played it, particularly at a high level where they feel like they can relate to the athletes there. A lot of people feel like they can go to a gym and and shoot baskets like their favorite basketball player. A lot of people feel like they can go to a golf course and try and mimic and recreate some of the same things they see their favorite golfers to see their favorite golfers do. I, I feel like uh, in myself and my peers in, in some firsthand experience, you just know that th- at the, at the end of a hot, at the end of a hot weekend or, you know, weekend full of golf or, a, or at the end of a hot round and you're sitting there and it's just, it's easy to make some mistakes. It's, it's easy to ma- misread some shots. It's easy to, to pull the wrong club or, or make the, make a bad decision. And then, you know, even with, I love what you point to in the context of a season that it's not something I had thought about, but I had kind of been ruminating both with Phil too, because, it, you know, we talk about the, the Phil, uh, you know, loving the aspect of when Phil just throws caution to the wind on a Saturday or Sunday at a tournament, and just decides he's going to try to hole every single shot that he hits. Um, and, and that, the, that it's entertaining and that it's uh, a fun viewing experience, but that you know that's also not the mindset of a golfer that's trying to go out and win and so i I wonder i wonder where that line is in terms of you know either how much you're playing or whether age comes into it where mentally there it just it it can grind on you just especially if you haven't been used to doing it all the time recently yeah you know phil's talked about that a lot of just how like it's hard the older you get the harder it is to kind of stay in it mentally and i i don't i'm not phil's age so i don't i can't speak from personal experience i presume as you get older it's just harder to stay mentally focused for four days so when you combine that with the fact that you have a 42 year old body or in phil's case a 48 year old body or whatever he is 49 uh makes it hard to beat a 25 year old superstar like (laughs) like justin thomas who is mentally engaged it's just easier it seems like for him to be mentally engaged for 72 holes you know and 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 some of this is like i i i don't know i don't think either guy would ever admit to this tiger or phil but what what motivates you you know like if, if you're justin thomas you're motivated by the fact that you're not motivated by money anymore. We talked about this last week, but you are motivated by the fact that, hey, you have a chance to win five majors, seven majors, become one of the 10 best players ever. Tiger and Phil are already there. Like what, other than Phil winning the US Open and, uh, I, you know, that that's like the only thing that either of those guys hasn't done. What are they motivated by? And, and I'm not saying, like, I think they both work super hard and it's almost astonishing how, they've maintained that motivation over the course of two decades, but that has to, that has to wane a little bit as you get older too. I I just, I can't see any way that it doesn't. Um, but that having been said, Tiger's been playing great all year and, uh, you know, statistically again, he's right there. I just, the 73, 73 really made me think about, you know, are we going to see a little bit of a 
uh, fade from him because of some physical ex- exhaustion over the last six weeks. As Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy were paired next to each other in the final group, are you, are you ready for this hot take? It's not a hot take that I'd necessarily believe in, but I think it starts a good conversation, particularly within the topic of motivation. Are you ready? Yeah. Justin Thomas looked immeasurably hungrier than Rory McIlroy did on Sunday at Firestone. Well, and he should. I mean, he's Justin Thomas is younger. He's only got one major. Uh, he's almost got double digit wins, which is crazy. He's won eight. He's won uh, nine what is times? It, eight of his last 42. Wow. Wow. If you look at first 112 events, Jordan Spieth, nine wins. Justin Thomas, nine wins. Uh, Spieth had two majors. Thomas has one. Uh, but he's been, you know, I tweeted this out. He's been arguably better this year than he was last year. Three wins through the Bridgestone, but he's made more money this time around. Uh, just, it, you know, finishing higher at better events, winning better events. But, uh, yeah, just I, I don't think it's – I mean, it's not a hot take to say that Justin Thomas is probably hungrier for, uh, w- like, to win golf tournaments than Rory McIlroy is. Does anybody not think that? Mm. Well, all right. So I guess the hot take is uh, the problem with Rory McIlroy is he's not hungry anymore. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think both can be true. I, I think that Justin Thomas can be hungrier, but Rory doesn't. He doesn't really have to be hungry to to be able to win. I don't think I don't, I, I, you know, that's like the, that's like the, uh, sports radio. Like I haven't watched golf in six months. Take, you know what? Um, that he's not, he's not hungry enough to win or to win a mate. Like, I'm, I don't think you're saying that. I'm just saying that that's like the sports radio take, right? Right. It's it. it, The I, I went from totally on board with your Rory, uh, enthusiasm coming out of Carnoustie, to just jump. I mean, I'm a, I'm a very fair weather flip flopper when it comes to the golf scene. It's something. It's something that my position I think allows. Um, but I I gotta say that I I was a little bit bummed to uh, to not see McElroy be able to at least create a few more fireworks there. Yeah, it wasn't a great it wasn't a great Sunday. Um, he it, it was it's so interesting because we were talking about JT being you know sort of. Uh, built to win at a place like Firestone. It makes sense why he would play well there. And the same is true of Rory. I mean, he won it back in 2014. You see him hit a 420-yard drive on uh, number 16, and then he hits his iron approach off, you know, off a microphone off the side of the green. And it's like, well, that kind of sums things up. He went on to make birdie. But, uh, you know, just some of his I, – I don't feel like he's hitting the ball uh, – that great off the tee and this is what i was talking to my wife about this because she really loves my rory takes um we were i was talking about how as i watch rory this year like has there been any point this year where you're like wow rory is hitting the ball really well no yeah it like i haven't felt that way either like he putted out of his mind at the arnold palmer which he won and then the other times he's contended or finished i mean at the masters he putted great the other times where he's he's contended he's just sort of it's it's almost it's kind of perplexing to me that he's even in contention because every time i see him hit a shot it's like oh it's 20 feet you know on the fringe off the green you know he hooked that one into a bunker like it it, i I don't know It, it doesn't 
And I think that should be actually encouraging for him that he's figuring out how to contend without even hitting the ball that well. That's sort of been the the Spethian quality that he's lacked over the years. Um, so I don't I don't know. I'm still spoiler alert from last week. I'm still picking him this week, but. Uh, when I watch him, I don't get the sense that he's fully locked in like he used or like he was back in 2014. Rory McIlroy's uh, scrunched up. I'm not too happy about that, but it might be okay. Face is how I imagine him in the middle of fairways right now. You know, like his face, his lips kind of pucker to the side, and he's like, mm. it's like a herm. I don't have a good sound effect for it, but I did. Is, is that at least enough of a description for you to get a good visualization of what I'm talking about? Yeah, he always does the. He does a pretty hard lean off the tee too. Lean. Like when he, yes, there's definitely a lean involved with it. Not not only on his drives, but on par threes. Like it, when he knows he's put it on the wrong side of the green or left himself <laughs> short sided, like on the on the fringe. Yeah, uh, he's he's like trying to will it back, and it just it it obviously doesn't work. Uh, so yeah, that's sort of I I don't know. I just haven't watched him and felt like man. You, you you watch DJ, you watch um, JT at times, you watch even like Webb at the players. You're like, wow, this guy cannot miss a shot. Right. And even and I felt this way at the open with Rory. And and again, I think it's encouraging because I think if he does start hitting the ball like uh, he's like he usually does or, or usually has over the course of his career, then he's gonna he's gonna win by several. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I haven't felt like he was completely locked in so far this year. Are you trying to get totally locked in with your game? Are you trying to get on the golf course so that you, uh, will be able to not have to do that Rory lean? Well, there's a good answer for you, and it's going down at Top Golf because at Top Golf they do lessons differently. They've got certified instructors not only to help you improve your game, but they're also going to want to make sure that you have a great time too. You know, hole in ones on the golf course. Well, when you're at the Top Golf facility taking aim at those targets, they want you to have a hole in one good time too. So you'll be able to sip, snack, swing, and play better thanks to Top Golf Coach. So book a lesson with one of Top Golf certified instructors today. Topgolf.com/lessons. You'll still be able to do all the things that you've come to know and love at the Top Golf facility. So book a lesson today at Topgolf.com/lessons lessons um are uh the no laying up guys remix of the phil commercial we've seen this yes so good so good yeah it was it was fantastic the the problem with like um funny golf content like the phil thing that got released is 30 seconds after it's out it's already just like beat into the ground by everyone because there's Pulling. not that much golf, co- funny golf content. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, says the guy who tweets the Elmo gif like three times a week when Rory's playing. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be me. Yes, that's Kyle. Uh, <laughs> At Kyle Porter yeah, CBS not, on Twitter. Go follow him for more Elmo not, gifs. Not Chip. Uh, yeah, I just... The, the Phil dancing thing is... It, it's hard to have a... Like a... And obviously you don't have to have a smart, funny take all the time, but sometimes I just feel like it gets just beat to death immediately to where it's like not even worth 
uh, pulling into the sort of mainstream conversation throughout the week, you know, and and maybe it's something where you pull it like next February and people are like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. But right after the fact, it just feels like beating a dead horse. The uh, conversations that I was having with some of my friends immediately on Friday night was a little bit of disappointment. The the continued uh, de-evolution of uh, Phil Mickelson, who I think for some fans and some golfers, they were drawn to the, you know, kind of kind of being the the thorn in the side, a little bit of a, um, you know, just the the weirdo. Like, like everything about it seemed like something that uh, I that a lot of fans, at least in, in my immediate peer group, could get behind. And then, you know, I, I'd mentioned a couple times with you about sort of feeling like this was just becoming a little bit of a sideshow and the show was getting a little bit more obnoxious and a little bit older. And this is just like the continued de-evolution or evolution, you know, if you're talking about the money that he's going to be making and laughing all the way to the bank with this stuff. Yeah. But um, I just, I'm not as impressed or as thrilled or happy or loving it as much as if you had talked to me about five years ago and kind of pitched the idea that Phil would have viral video commercials, I would have expected a lot more and I would have expected uh, a better reaction than I'm having. I, I do. I do think there's a, there's a part of it that feels like you're at a, like a family reunion and your cousin or your uncle or somebody is telling the same funny story that you've heard uh, 68 times. Yep. And it's the 69th and, time. Like they, ju- <laughs> yeah. And they just, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. They, uh, they just make it like they just throw in something slightly different, uh, to, to try to change up the story. And you kind of get to the end and you have, you feel like you're obligated to laugh, but you're sort of rolling your eyes. Like that's sort of <laughs> part of me feels like that with, with Phil right now that it's like, are we still talking about the golf? Mm-hmm. or or not and now part of me like loves it because i think he is truly possible like he like, like he possibly might be an insane person and that he is kind of in on the joke as well yeah uh, and that that part of it is is really fun for me but, but, but I, when I he's do... doing the dance at the golf tournament yeah bad yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, it, it's by the way, Phil one top 10 in major championships in the last three years. When Phil Mickelson slid down the hill, it felt natural, unplanned <laughs> and like a joyous moment that when, if you enjoy Phil Mickelson, he's, he acts like a big oversized kid. If you like that, uh, angle, then like that, that was your stuff. the the big the, the big oversized kid doesn't have this uh, this this giant planned out brand and scheme and uh, I mean this is like Taylor Swift putting her album on the side of the UPS trucks where it just backfired. Everyone's like, oh man, we can't do this. This yeah, like, I, th- I can't get behind this. I think it matters like if there's money attached to it, right? A, like straight up corporate association. Yeah, by the way, the 15 PGA that you're talking about, Whistling Straits, that was his Mona Lisa because 
he did the slide down the hill, but he also did the wave at the boat after he like stuck an iron from the <laughs> yes, fairway. Yes. That was that was an all time tournament <laughs> for Phil. That was fabulous. We're gonna go back looking at that one as like the last great album from an artist. <laughs> like it was that was that was the because let's see, fifteen was no he. He had the binder clip at the 16 open when he yeah. lost to Stinson. Okay. That was pretty good. Yeah. Cause that, that, that didn't, it's not like he scored like a staples, um, sponsorship in the, in the coming months after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, sorry. Didn't mean to distract us from, uh, from the, the event at hand. Obviously we don't have any big expectations for Phil Mickelson here, right? No, no. I, he's like a hundred to one. Wow. Where are you He's looking just, for sleepers? Uh, Tony Finau. Mm. I'll, I'll f- love him this week. He's like 45 to 1 or 40 to 1 or something like that. Uh, long course. I don't. We don't really know a ton about the course, but from people I've talked to or heard, I guess, there, there's not a like ton of information out there. It's kind of weird. You, you, you start researching Shinnecock and it's like, wow, I could read about this for 12 days. <laughs> oh, here's, re- here's a corner of... Uh, the public library just written about with books about Shinnecock. Yeah, exactly. And same with every open course that they go to. And then with Bell Reeve, it's like, well, uh, Gary player won the grand slam there. And yeah, that's about it. Uh, okay. hundredth PGA. Here we come. It, it's just, it's not a, it, it, it feels like sort of like quail hollow did last year, just a souped up PGA tour course. And Quail Hollow is not even that. PGA, uh, Quail Hollow is a PGA Tour course. Uh, so it doesn't feel special in that sense. But, uh, you know, just listening to Andy Johnson of the Fried Egg talk about how soft it is, it's going to play 7,300 yards, which is, or a little over 7,300, which is pretty far for a PGA. If you look back at the last four guys who have won PGAs at that distance, it's uh, Rory twice. Justin Thomas last year and Jason day. So three of the 15 longest guys on the PGA tour, it just feels like somebody who's a, a huge bomber is going to win. And Tony Fino has got three top tens at majors this year. And he's playing for a spot on the Ryder cup team. So I don't know if he's going to win, but he's coming off a top 10 at Bridgestone. I think the top, I think the, the leaderboard at Bridgestone is pretty indicative of what we're going to see at, at Bell Reeve. And I think that he could uh, get his first major this weekend. I think this is a, uh, I think this is a tournament that's interesting for Dustin Johnson because as as we've continued to kick around, Dustin Johnson is the name that you always go to when you're like, uh, Francesco Molinari has as many major championships as Dustin Johnson. Justin Thomas always has as many major championships as Dustin Johnson. Um, you know, the, it's funny because the, the, the style and, you know, we talk about the way that Justin Thomas wins, you know, we're talking about a player who, you know, we, where would you adjust the, the Justin Thomas over under two for career wins? Is it like 25 and a half? Uh, for JT? Yeah. It's gotta be right. That, I and laughed at you this time last year about what was it? 14, 14 and a half. And a half yeah. He's going to get there by next year. So, so this is where it's like Justin Thomas 
feel like Dustin Johnson's career win total is very impressive. And it's the fact that it has just one major championship beside it. It feels like Justin Thomas is going to have a career that on paper, at least based on trajectory will surpass Dustin Johnson's, including the presumption that he is going to get at least one, if not two more major championships, Dustin Johnson playing well enough this year that I think he could get his second major championship and round out what could be like, I I just think that one more major for DJ can, can round out a resume where we're looking at him as he starts to head into his mid and later thirties, who knows, you know, how much longer he wants to be doing this, but that feels like a last puzzle piece. Uh, And because the one, you know, because one of his major championships already or the major championship he has already is a U.S. Open. I don't think it comes with any qualifiers if it's at a 7,300 yards soft and scorable uh, PGA championship where DJ, like you just said, uh, you know, you were talking about JT's style, you know, a bomber and a wedge. Well, that's that's DJ too. So I could, that's that's what yeah. has me, I think, almost leaning his way as the winner for this weekend. Yeah, I mean, certainly, and it's hard to separate these two things, right? Because you talk about bombers, and then we're like, oh, look at all these bombers that have won PGAs. Well, these are also like really good golfers as well. <laughs> yeah, right, like got- right. I'm sitting here talking about the number one player in the world and the odds-on <laughs> favorite, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I've got a hunch Dustin Johnson might win this weekend. Yeah, it's it's very it gets difficult to separate the two. So when I think of bombers that are maybe not as great golfers that are kind of might have an advantage this week. It's guys like Gary Woodland or uh, JB Holmes or Finau or somebody like that. I think Finau is pretty good at golf, but um, yeah, I mean, DJ, DJ needs to win some more majors. And, you know, I, I think that it's, it's weird. It's weird to talk about these guys as if they're not like, I, I almost look at, at, at wins at places like Carnoustie and, and, um, Augusta and Shinnecock as, as like those guys are like, that's as elite as you can play golf because you have to hit every shot. You have to be, you have to have so much touch at, with, in all these different places around the green, you have to putt really well. And I don't, I, I think PGA championships are certainly not as valuable as a master's win. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. And I don't want to devalue like winning a major, but it's almost like, okay, you want a PGA. What does that, what does that mean? Isn't that just like a bigger Bridgestone invitational, like a Bridgestone with more people, you know, like what's the difference between the winning the Bridgestone and winning a PGA just that we're calling it a major. What's the difference between winning the players and winning a PGA? Yeah, I, I know. I mean, and, and a lot of this, to me, a lot of this comes down to the course. And again, I'm not like an architecture nerd. I don't know as much as I probably act like I do. But when you go to places that are just glorified PGA Tour stops, the only thing that's sort of delineating these as major championships is the fact that we're slapping the term major championship on it. That's on the Wikipedia page. It's like, that's it, you know? And so I sort of feel like we overvalue especially PGA championship wins, but probably all major wins and undervalue. I mean, you look at Justin Thomas winning nine times. That's, that's a joke. 
like to win nine times in your first 112 events. That's so good in this era. And same with DJ getting to eventually getting to 20 wins. That's unbelievable. But I do think like, look, the the reality is if you want to be considered an all timer, you got to win more than one. And that's where guys like Justin Rose, Sergio Garcia, uh, all these guys are Jason Day. All these guys are sitting right now, and it's like, okay, who's going to get to three? Who out of this group is going to get to three? Because they can't you know, all you, get to three, especially with yeah. what's coming up behind them. And you can't. And nobody, nobody in thirty years is going to be like, oh, well, his uh, strokes gained in two thousand seventeen was was just it was way better than it. Okay, win a major. I mean, this is the, this is the Ricky Fowler thing, right? Or do you, do you know what the PGA Championship is? It's the Money Ball in the three point contest. It's no like it, it, where every other ball is a regular PGA tour event. And in that way, yeah. I can almost live with it because it's like, yeah, you yeah. know what? We've decided that one of these events at this type of course is the one that's worth more. And yeah. if you're the best, then you can figure out a way to step up your game and make it happen. Yeah. And, and again, like there was a U.S. open played at Beth page. Guess where the PGA is going next year. Beth page. So it's not like, it's not as if they're solely going to courses that are PGA tour like and s- sort of not as creative as you would like them to be. And and you're right, like it does matter that it has the label PGA Championship. Like that that does in some sense matter. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's so many different guys. I mean, this is one of the things that I always think about when I come up on major weeks. How much different do we think about your career if you win this week? Yeah. And, and there's, there's a, I, I mean, for guys like Rory, it's probably not very much, especially cause he already has a PGA, you know, whose career we think about a lot differently, whose season we think about a lot differently. If he wins this week, Jordan Spieth. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden you go from, man, that was kind of a disappointing season to speed slam. Wow. He did it. He be, he became the first sixth guy ever to win the slam. That's a huge, I mean, he has the most to gain of anybody in the field this week, just because of how. Uh, he hasn't really lived up to his own expectations. He's got as many uh, cuts missed as he does top tens this year. And you flip the script on that and you you suddenly join Tiger and Jack and Player and Hogan and Sarazen. I mean, that's that's a big deal. And uh, I don't think he's going to, but that would be uh, that would be pretty crazy if he did. Why do you think he's not just based on the course and the competition? Yeah, it's just it's not a place that I mean, we talked earlier about Thomas and and DJ bomb and wedge, bomb and wedge. Speed's plenty long, but it just it doesn't I think he's so much better when he has to be creative, when guys get frustrated with stuff, when um he just has to like talk himself through these rounds and to the end of the event. And that's at an open, that's at Augusta that's at links type courses. Uh, and, and we've seen, those are the two, those are the two majors where he's had a ton of success, not necessarily at, at a PGA. And you know, he's only got one top 10 at a PGA, one top 10 at a U.S. open. It was obviously a win, uh, at, at Chambers Bay, but I just, uh, just the court. Yeah. The course doesn't, it doesn't feel like a, a speed week for me. Do you think, uh, Francesco Molinari in context has had an incredible season and is, as you have said before, one of the most underrated ball strikers in the world. Um, he was after a bun- after a run where it felt like we had stars and big names winning our majors. He, he was sort of the next a break from that as a general prediction 
and I know that you've you've already said you're picking Roy to win. What do you think the chances are that we get um, someone who is close? Like, is Tony Finau closer to Francesco Molinari in terms of being a name or not being a name? Maybe Finau. It's a it's a breakout moment. Is there like do you, do you think that we will get anything that uh, won't be from that top group of uh, five, six, seven contenders? Well, it, it would fit in with the rest of the year. If you look back on 2018, five years from now, and said, wow, uh, Reed, Kepka, Molinari, and Finau, huh? Yeah. Uh, what happened to what happened to DJ? Where was Rory DJ, and Rory, Spieth, and JT? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was thinking about that as I was putting together some of the storylines, and it's like we've had kind of a – it's been a great year, obviously. Some awesome winners, a uh, bunch of guys that are that are, I mean, DJ's won three times, JT's won three times, Rory's won, uh, Bubba's won three times. But the majors have not necessarily gone to the guys that you thought they would go to. Um, so I, I think I think that somebody like Finau or Xander or Alex Norin or uh, somebody like that. Tommy Fleetwood coming in and, and winning would be sort of fitting for the type of major, not that the, I mean, those guys are obviously great players, but they're not, you know, the, one of the three or four best guys in the world. I think it'd be sort of fitting if they won this week though. What about Fowler? What if he finally gets it? <laughs> I mean, did you see his Bridgestone scores? Mm, I haven't, I don't have them pulled up in front of me. Were they horrendous? 60, 63 day one, 74, 65 73 what's wrong with that boy it's like what are what are what are we doing like i i just i i don't know um my son picked him this week so he's got that going for him he's never picked him before he always picks tiger or speed if if alex noren wins this week that is the nick Foles super bowl mvp of the golf season <laughs> <laughs> or like, I don't think I don't think Alex Noren's gonna win this week. Or he was Mark just my, Leishman. He was my first pull. Yeah, yeah Le- Le- Leishman could win. Leishman could win. Mm. Um, all right, head over to cbssports.com so you can get all the picks. We'll be posting them. I'm here in the next. I'm sure here in the next couple days as we record here on Monday afternoon. Uh, Kyle, taken. Who am I taking? Uh, I think yeah. I'm gonna go DJ. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 What about top ten? Top ten. I think I think my top ten. I'm going. Uh, I get. I guess I'll go. I guess I'll go to DJ. So winner Rory top ten DJ. I, I just I think like if you took the Bridgestone leaderboard and just put all the names on top of the PGA leaderboard, I'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Kepka top ten. JT DJ. Yeah. Uh, I might I might have Kepka top ten. I feel like Kepka's been playing really really well. Yeah. Um, I'm actually. Patrick Cantlay. You can't. You can't be. Uh, actually, Patrick Cantlay. That's the Nick Foles MVP winner. Actually, Patrick yeah. Cantlay to win. Let's go. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna make my top five as we have to do the the top five in order. My top five is gonna be like DJ Kepka, Rory, and uh, let's Justin see. Justin Thomas and Justin Thomas. But number one, Patrick F. Cantlay. <laughs> Do you like it? Yeah, he'd get on the Ryder Cup team, so I would like it because I predicted that he would at the beginning of the year. This is a this is a big big Ryder Cup um, 
big Ryder Cup weekend. Yeah, it's huge. 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 All right, Kyle, you can yeah. follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Kyle, thank you very much. Yeah, Chip. We'll talk to you next week.